0: It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. BYU Spring Game is in the books. How did they do? How did they look? And only one major injury on the alumni side of the football game. You are Locked On Cougars, your daily podcast on the BYU Cougars. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's up, everybody? I'm Jake Hatch, your host here on Locked On Cougars, resident BYU insider. Thank you for making Locked On Cougars your first listen of the day. always appreciate you guys being a part of the show. Very proud to be part of the Locked On Podcast Network. The motto is, your team every day, and as such, this is your only daily podcast focused on the BYU Cougars. Diving right in on today's show, a number of you, I, th- I would figure between five and 6,000 of you uh, brave the elements. Pretty cold weather outside, uh, really the only thing in terms of being outside at Lavelle Edwards Stadium on Friday afternoon and evening for BYU's annual spring showcase and uh, also the alumni game. Now, uh, BYU actually scrimmaged more than I thought they were going to uh, based on what I understood it was around like about 70 plays for BYU in that scrimmage and there were few players that stood out to me, and we'll talk about those guys here in a moment, but uh, you want to say best wishes, first things first, to Max Hall in the alumni game as part of the nightcap. Uh, He ruptured his Achilles tendon. Uh, To his credit, though, he stayed out there on the field and was signing autographs and taking pictures with fans after the game. That was pretty impressive considering that's a pretty uh, serious injury, but nonetheless, Best wishes to BYU's all-time winningest quarterback. Yes, uh, Max still does have the most wins as a quarterback in BYU football history. And best wishes to him on a quick recovery. All right, uh, let's get to what I took away from BYU's actual scrimmage, the team practicing. Uh, I got to the stadium right as they were doing uh, the tail end of their warm-ups, going through special teams drills. And I got to say, in terms of the overall takeaways from this, is that I think it's very clear that BYU is fully intent that Keaton Slovis is going to be their starting quarterback. He wore the green jersey, the only quarterback that was not live during the scrimmage portion. The first-string offense also was only thud. They essentially one-hand or two-hand touch with the defense. But I have to say... BYU's defensive line is very impressive to me in this game. And they've been pretty impressive, I'm, I'm not going to lie. In all the media observation windows we have been given so far this spring, I've been impressed with what BYU's defensive line has brought. Is it a matter of they got an opportunity now to make more plays in the backfield? Or are they able to focus on one thing rather than have the two-gap and have multiple responsibilities to hold up opposing offensive linemen? I don't know necessarily what the reasoning is for it. But early on and also throughout the entirety of camp to this point, because we're now four-fifths the way done, there's only three practices remaining, and those will be uh, taking place next week. Uh, BYU will only be conditioning as a team this week. I think the coaches wanted to spend some downtime with their family. It is uh, Alpine School District where BYU is located, and I think also Neville School District, probably also Provo School District for, for that matter. It is their uh, spring break, and I think they wanted to spend some downtime and also be able to kind of evaluate where, where things stand as they go Go into their final week of drills. But nonetheless, that defensive line very, very impressive to me. Now, are they going to be elite? Are they going to be world beaters when they get out there against opposing teams like in Arkansas three games into the season after you beat up on two in theory, you beat up on two buttercups in both San Houston State and Southern Utah? Well, only time will tell. But right now, this BYU defensive line has been really, really impressive, especially going up against a revamped BYU offensive line. Now, that's the other thing that could be in play here, is BYU continues to shuffle a lot of guys along that offensive front. I saw Tyler Little play no less than three different positions on that offensive line for BYU. He landed at both guard spots and also saw some time at left tackle in this game. And that means that there are a number of guys, and the question was asked, actually, I I think I may have asked it to Aaron Roderick, He said that a lot of this is cross-training, getting guys ready in case injury strikes. They have some experience in some of these different positions that they can be moved into those spots. Do I expect BYU to settle on a five to seven-man rotation? No, no, they have five men, period. Do I expect them to settle on a seven or eight-man rotation at the offensive line early on in training camp? Yes, I do. And I think this spring period has probably given them an idea of okay, who are the top ten contenders here along that offensive front? I think it's very clear that Kingsley Sulamata'ia will be BYU's left tackle. Connor Pay, unless Paul Miley shows up and just absolutely spectacular at center, I would expect that Connor Pay reprises his role as BYU starting center this fall, leaving three other positions open for guys to make a, a move up the depth chart and at least hopefully solidify their spot. That's at left and right guard and also at right tackle. And I think there are no shortage of options for BYU there, but maybe that's part of the reason why this defensive line looks so good. Now, in terms of players individually that stood out to me, I actually am intrigued by what Ryder Burton showed. I know that he was competing with the third and the fourth stringers out there, but he showed a live arm, uh, showed some moxie, some poise out there. I think he is a guy that was held back more in high school by his offensive system than anything else that you can really point to. They, BYU never wavered. Once they offered him and received his commitment, they never wavered in looking at other quarterbacks at the high school level. Yes, they did bring in Jake Ratzloff from the junior college ranks. They did bring in Kian Slovis from the uh, graduate transfer ranks out of the transfer portal, but they did not look at other high school quarterbacks so far as that I am aware, and that that screams to me. They really believe that Ryder Burton is capable of being a contender for that job down the road at BYU. Does he need to bulk up? Does he need to have some more seasoning? Yes, absolutely, but he showed flashes of what he could do. Also got to give big ups to Nick Billups. He maybe had the play of the game, if you want to call it that, for his trucking of Ty Burke on a touchdown run. It was like 20 plus yards. I was standing in the end zone. If you watch the replay, I'm standing right there on the kind the end line at the back of the end zone and and he ran right past me as he was celebrating. What a crazy, crazy play. Uh, Billups, to me, is still going to be a guy who's going to be a depth piece at the very best for BYU in his career, but he's been a very, very capable scout team quarterback for BYU and had a really nice moment there. Other guys who stood out to me would include uh, Nukuluve Halu. Uh, He was also similar to Ryder Burton getting time with the third and fourth stringers, but had six carries for 56 yards. It's not a bad total for him. I I think that he has proven that he is going to be a factor in the running back race down the road for BYU. Keaton Slovis, for his uh, play, was 6 of 13, 50 yards, one interception. I do have to give a shout-out to Jacob Robinson. The pass that he intercepted was a fantastic read from uh, Jacob Robinson, but Keaton Slovis nearly completed that pass. It was inch-perfect execution in terms of what Jacob Robinson did to pick that pass off. Was it a little bit of of a questionable decision by Keaton Slovis' to sling it Maybe so, but I still thought he was very, very good. I think Jake Retzloff continues to be BYU's number two option. I, I like Kate Fennigan as a person. Trust me, I really like him as a kid, but I thought Jake Retzloff performed much better in this, and the stats indicate as such. 7 of 10, 69 yards, and one touchdown. Fennigan had just four yards passing in this scrimmage. Now, like It would be a one-off. You need to look at it and say, okay, what is it really? But I really was impressed with Retzloff. Similar to Ryder Burton, he probably needs to bulk up a little bit to really be the guy for BYU, maybe add on some weight. But what he has is the ability to stay in the pocket and stare things down and make big plays. Also... Ice Moa, if I'm not mistaken, it was Retzloff that, if you remember watching, it was kind of a, a slingshot maneuver, <laughs> like came up and just kind of grabbed him around the chest and just dragged him to the ground, jumping through the air. Ice Moa is going to be a, a really nice defensive lineman for BYU. I think he is a fantastic player, and that was a fantastic individual play for him. Also, Nice Amahe. I uh, had at least one sack and one PBU pass breakup for BYU in that game, and he continues to stand out. I-, I said this last week on the podcast, I believe that I've been told by multiple people that in terms of defensive linemen, that were already on the roster coming out of last season into this season that have impressed the most, Naisa Mahe is among them, if not the most impressive of the group. For whatever reason, he has really taken to this defense and it's given him an opportunity to go out and show what he he is capable of doing for BYU. Does that mean he's going to be an all-conference caliber defensive lineman? No. It's still just very much a spring ball period, but he's been very impressive in what we have been able to see as a media core and the conversations I've had with folks who have watched – pretty much all the practices at this point uh, across the board. And they've been really impressed by what he has shown. So, I think that overall, there were some really good standout performances from the scrimmage, a lot of tape for coaches to dissect this week and going on into the off season. And I do think that at this point, uh, Jay Hill kind of talked about it. there's still opportunities for guys to move up and down the depth chart. But at this point, I feel like they're probably going to come out of spring with a pretty good idea of they're too deep. Speaking of BYU, as they go into summer conditioning, uh, player run practices, and obviously get ready for training camp in August. But I think that uh, this has been a very, I think, productive spring period for BYU. And it's given them a really good look at what they have in store for the guys uh, on the roster. Now, I'm going to continue to reiterate this point, though it is still spring ball. There's a lot of guys trying new positions. There's a lot of guys getting new looks at different things. There's a lot of experimentation with play calls and the like, but the bigger point is, I think that BYU, especially along that defense, has gotten a really good look, hopefully, at a bevy of different guys on that defense, and they have an idea, okay, that guy's probably slated for a shirt. That guy's probably slated for the scout team, and then hopefully they have kind of delineated, okay, that's a first string, or at least a rotation piece that'll be on the depth chart for BYU. I That's the hope as they come out of spring ball that they have kind of narrowed that down and dug into that some more will it ultimately pan out that way and will be will we be given a uh, actual post spring practice depth chart only time will tell but I'll probably do my best at some point here if they don't give it to us once spring ball actually wraps up based on my conversations with folks and that type of stuff, I'll try and get you guys the best guess I possibly can give you in terms of the depth chart if they don't provide us with one, speaking of BYU sports information. It's TBD if they will do that, and obviously that'll be on the coaches to authorize the SIDs to hand that out, but we'll have to kind of wait and see on that front. All right, coming up next, we're going to flip over to BYU basketball just for a moment. Uh, The Cougars obviously are looking for options in the transfer portal. One big Piece potentially coming in, has already set an official visit date. We'll talk about that, and we'll also catch up on all the other news in BYU sports from the weekend that was, as well as a look at the opener for the 2015 season, a pretty memorable game. For those of you who remember that one, we'll get to all of that coming up in mere moments. First, a word on our friends over at Built Bar. Of course, Built Bar's been working with us for months, my friends, and we absolutely love this company. If you have not had a Built Bar, you are missing out. They are truly the best-tasting protein bars on the market. And the best part is, I don't know how Built does it. These bars taste like a candy bar while maintaining amazing macros. It's even better they are healthy. 130 calories, 4 grams of sugar, and a whopping 17 grams of protein. Think about that, guys. It's absolutely incredible. The best part is every single one of these bars is covered in 100% real chocolate. You will not believe how good they taste versus how healthy they are for you. So head to your local Smith's and or Sam's Club today to pick up your boxes if you need them right now. From our friends at Built Bar, you still obviously can go online to built.com. Place your order there. Uh, They obviously have the promo code still going on at Built.com. Locked on 15 for 15% off your order. That's L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N for 15% off your order. But if you need your bars right now in a bad way, you've got to hanker in for them. You cannot wait. Get to your local Smith's and or Sam's Club today and uh, pick them up right away. That's our friends over at Built Bar. It's Kubota Orange Day. Shop the year's best selection of Kubota tractors, zero-turn mowers, and utility vehicles Thank you once again for making Locked On Cougars your first listen today. I want to encourage you guys now to make your second listen our friends over the Locked On Big 12 podcast. Josh Neighbors has done a great job all year long and just covering everything from uh, Big 12 football to Big 12 basketball, the realignment saga from the Big 12 perspective. He has got it all covered for you guys. Check that out wherever you get your podcasts. It's available on YouTube. And like I said, wherever you podcast, Apple, Stitcher, Spotify, Google, you guys know the drill, but check that out. It's Locked On Big 12. All right, continuing on here with uh, BYU. As they continue to look around on the BYU basketball side of things, BYU is trying to find uh, some difference makers for their front line. I think they understand, at least based on what I'm perceiving, is that they have nice pieces, but they don't have standout pieces on the front court. And I've said this once, I'll say it again. I want to see BYU get a true big man that can come in and patrol the middle and allow a guy like Fuseni Triori and or Atiki Ali Atiki to make more of their opportunities in the low post against some... Uh, what I what I like to say more right sized players or I guess more uh, same size players that's suppose, probably the best way to say it. I don't want to see uh, Tiki having to go up against guys who are 7'1", 7-2. I also don't want to see a guy like Foos have as a six foot six guy who does have a seven one wingspan, but the, his ability to get overwhelmed by guys who are significantly taller than him. We're talking like six ten six eleven. It's just, it's disadvantageous for a guy like that. But BYU is getting a potential impact guy on campus this coming weekend per Vanquish the Foe. Robbie McCombs still doing absolutely incredible work on the BYU basketball front, uh, saying that Ali Khalifa will be making an official visit to BYU this coming weekend from April 7th to the 9th. Uh, Khalifa is listed at 6'11, 230 pounds. Most recently has played for the Charlotte 49ers. Uh, One of the top players for the 49ers this past year. They actually won the CBI if you weren't paying attention, averaging 11. 11.7 points, 6.3 rebounds, and 2.7 assists on 51% shooting. But the best number here... 38% shooting from three. This is a big man who can step out to the perimeter and stroke it, it appears. He was 48 of 126 uh, from three on the season. So this is not a guy who shot like 10 threes and hit uh, five of them. That's not uh, four of them, excuse me. He has been able to prove that he can shoot the long ball at a high clip. The biggest thing is he's got two years of eligibility. This is not a guy who is like a Rudy Williams or bringing him just for a one-year rental. He'd come in and play for ostensibly two more seasons. He has international experience. He is a native of Alexandria Andrea Egypt has played for the Egyptian uh, national team uh, U17s, if I'm not mistaken. So. I'm actually really intrigued by this. I've said it I've said it before. I want to see BYU get a true big man out there that can just be that anchor for BYU in the middle. Uh, Khalifa, uh, the defensive metrics maybe aren't necessarily where I'd like him to be, but what he has is size that BYU does not have on the roster 6'11, 230. That doesn't exist uh, with a guy like Atiki Ali Atiki. Foose is, what, 250, 260 pounds, but he's, he's packed it onto a 6'6 six six frame. You can't teach length and height. A guy that, uh, like, like like what Ali, Ali uh I'm screwing this up here, but nonetheless, uh, what a guy like Ali Khalifa has, uh, he has that size. And that's the thing I want to see BYU get. I would say my priority number one for BYU basketball during this transfer portal period is to get size on the interior. The biggest thing in the Big 12 for BYU, I think it's going to absolutely surprise them, is that they're going to go up against even bigger teams than they've already faced. Yes, Gonzaga has been a very, very long and lengthy team that BYU's gone up against during their time in the West Coast Conference. Same thing with St. Mary's at different points. But, outside of that, how many other rosters in the WCC have really uh, tested BYU with their length and height? Maybe every so often a Santa Clara, potentially, or a Pepperdine. But that seems like it's a one-off. This is going to be an every game proposal for BYU. Uh, Bob Huggins, I don't know if you guys saw this. I, I just came to my mind. I probably should have talked about this earlier. He was asked by the Field of 68 podcast about uh, what he expects for the new schools coming in. He said, I feel bad for all of them. He, Bob Huggins knows what they're going up against. This is a guy he mentioned, I, I've coached at so many different levels at so many different schools. We are playing in the best conference, speaking, he's speaking of his West Virginia Mountaineers in college basketball. And he says the BYU, Cincinnati, Houston. Houston and UCF, they're going to absolutely get it handed to them on an every night basis. Is there a chance that one of them, Snowden probably Houston, is able to hold up night in and night out? Yes, I, I would believe so, but... It is going to require a lot of BYU to be ready for the rigors of the Big 12. I don't expect BYU, frankly, to be all that competitive year one in basketball. I just it, it seems like too much to ask of them to do that. Can they pick off a win here and there, and could they finish maybe in the the 10 to 12 range in a 14 team Big 12? I think that'd be a pretty good accomplishment for BYU. Heck, if they even get to 500 in conference season, I'd hang a banner if I'm BYU. I, I'm I, I'm that just wary of how much BYU's got uh, coming to them in the Big 12 era. But getting back to my original point, they need to have elite size on the interior to protect that rim. These Big 12 teams, they are very, very good. They know what they are doing. They have... Established styles of play, and they'll beat you up. And you need to have guys who can hold up on the interior. Something that BYU, I thought, got exposed this past year was the lack of depth on the interior. Atiki Ali Atiki and Foos are very, very fine players. Let me reiterate that. But after that, well, I don't remember even who the guy was. Uh, he was a walk on that they went to. Um, his name's sk- skipping my mind. He was a six foot uh, seven uh, walk on that w- was called upon to be BYU's third big man. That can't be the case in the Big 12. I also think the other thing BYU needs to focus on is finding another uh, perimeter ball handler that can help Dallin Hall out uh, along that uh, along the perimeter for BYU and distribute the basketball and hopefully shoot it from three at a high clip. That would be my two priorities for BYU. But priority number one for me far and away is a guy like Ali Khalifa. You need big men to come in and uh, bolster BYU's interior depth. If you don't do that, I'm just I'm saying I'm, it's going to be a long Long winter in Provo, watching BYU basketball potentially just get roughed up night in and night out by their opponents in the Big 12 conference. But hey, that—that's the I guess the glory and the agony of all this is getting to see that ultimately play out. But I just hope that we're able to enjoy uh, BYU basketball a little bit more than I anticipate. Them just man, I want to be. Uh, Upbeat about BYU basketball, but I just I feel like this is gonna be a really, really rough introduction to the Big 12 for BYU. All right, coming up. uh, we will finish out this edition of the podcast looking back at the weekend that was for other BYU teams. BYU men's volleyball on a bit of a roll here. We'll talk about that. We'll also uh, catch up on the other news involving BYU baseball, BYU softball, and like I said, also look back at all of BYU's uh, games in the 155-game look back A BYU's run as an independent member. We kick off the 2015 season coming up in just a moment. First, a word on our friends over at Perry Holmes. Of course, Perry Holmes has been working with us for a few months now. Whether you're looking for your first home or you're ready to upgrade to your dream home, Perry Homes has a house for you, my friends, here in Utah. For 50 years, Perry Homes has been Utah's premier home builder with communities throughout the state. They've got many communities, home designs, and price points to help meet your needs. Perry Homes has beautiful communities in Davis, Salt Lake, Tooele, and Utah counties. They also have multiple communities in, David, in excuse me, in Washington County near St. George if you want to get down to the southern, southern end of the state. They also offer over 50 unique home designs from Ramblers to two stories to townhomes as well. They even have quick move homes available if you're ready to get the move on now and the best part is they offer generous financing incentives for their preferred lenders so if you want to learn more visit perryhomesutah.com to see what's new in utah's finest neighborhoods that's perryhomesutah.com for 50 years perry uh, excuse me for 50 years let me get the tagline right utah has been coming home to perry homes Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere especially during march Thank you once again for making Locked On Cougars your first listen of the day, my friends. Hope you guys have had a fantastic weekend. Uh, if those of you who are uh, members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, I think the majority of you are. Hope you enjoyed General Conference. Uh, 15 new temples announced uh, worldwide, some really cool ones. I have some dear friends from Bakersfield, California. That was really cool to see that announcement come, San Jose, California. Uh, it's just fun to see uh, these temple announcements come and how impactful they are uh, for the local communities around. Uh, them. So congratulations uh, to all of you who have a new temple coming your way. I happen to live in Saratoga Springs and Saratoga Springs Open House is coming up uh, later this spring such early summer and looking forward to getting out and finally seeing that fine edifice at some point. Alright, before we go, let's get to the actual BYU sports news here. Uh, BYU Men's Volleyball ranked number 7 in the country. They figured to move up after back-to-back wins over the weekend, beating USC uh, in four sets, both Thursday and Friday night, uh, winning those both of those 3-1. to uh, USC was number eleven in the country. So a nice win for BYU. BYU is now 12 and 0 at home this season. They have won seven straight games. Oh, excuse me, six straight games. Six straight matches, I should say. For BYU volleyball, uh, their homestand will continue. It's a really long homestand. Uh, they'll host Stanford for a two-match series beginning this Friday at the Smith Fieldhouse. Uh, senior night recognitions for my, uh, Heath Hughes and Mitchell Worthington will be held on Saturday following that match. Both of the matches are scheduled to start at seven o'clock Mountain Time and will be streamed on BYU TV. If you want to check those out, hopefully they can run their home uh, slate, a home record, I should say, to fourteen and zero and finish off the season in positive fashion. Now BYU baseball sits at nine and seventeen on the season. They're 3-6 and six in West Coast Conference playing a tough weekend up on the road for BYU as they uh, lost the series to Gonzaga. They lost the opener 5-1, bounced back to win the middle game 6-5, but lost the rubber match 8-2. They're back in action today at noon Mountain Time, taking on Washington State over in Pullman before returning uh, home to host uh, San Francisco this coming weekend. Best of luck to the Cougars as they take on the Crimson Cougs this afternoon. BYU softball had a pretty good weekend all things considered down in Louisiana Louisiana. They are now 17 and nine on the season. They were down at the uh, Purple and Gold Classic at LSU. Uh, BYU lost the opener in a narrow fashion to number 12 ranked to LSU, three to two. Bounced back to beat Louisiana Tech five three. Then got run ruled by LSU in their second matchup, ten to two. Before bouncing back with a one nothing win in their finale on Saturday against NC State. BYU's back in action tomorrow to make the trek up to Pocatello, Idaho, to take on Idaho State, and then they will open up West Coast Conference play. This this. This weekend at Santa Clara. So uh, all things considered an up and down weekend for other BYU sports. But uh, hopefully better things are ahead as the weather gets better. That's the nice thing about this. So let's get a lot of snow here along the Wasatch Front in the next uh, today, tomorrow, and Wednesday potentially. But looking at the longer range forecast. A week from tomorrow, I saw the forecast is high. Forecast for tomorrow, Tuesday, 35 here locally in Utah. But a week from tomorrow, it doubles to 71 degrees spring is almost here and I for one cannot wait I have been jonesing get on the golf course and get the snow out of the way so I can actually go and swing the sticks that's what I'm looking forward to alright final thing before we go on today's show is one of the more memorable games of BYU's independent era and it's obviously the opener to the 2015 season now Taysom Hill had returned once again from another season ending injury for BYU and the all eyes were B- on BYU making their first ever uh, trek to Nebraska to Lincoln uh, to take on the Nebraska Cornhuskers now I made the trek to this game, had the time of my life, met up some very dear friends of mine who had, uh, we had all recently graduated from BYU. I was working in sports radio. I made the trek to Lincoln, said, you know what, there's no way I'm missing out on this game. And it was a really difficult game for BYU, all things considered, because Taysom Hill uh, came out in this game and was just absolute lightning early on in this one. He finished the game 21 of 34 for 268 yards, but as many of you might recall, Midway through this game, yet another devastating injury as he was scrambling. Uh, He had really uh, proven uh, the conversation all summer long. Many of you will recall the conversation all summer long is can Taysom be a guy who can play from the pocket? He's an elite athlete, but he needs to learn how to be a quarterback from the pocket. And early on in this game, he was absolutely slicing and dicing the Nebraska defense. But he obviously scrambled and then has that Liz Frank injury that cost him yet another season. But then here comes the legend of Tanner Mangum. Now, obviously we all know the Tanner Mangum story played out in different fashion than we all anticipated it being. He came in to replace uh, Taysom Hill, went seven of 11 for 111 yards. And obviously the biggest touchdown of his entire career, I say that bar none, the biggest touchdown of Tanner Mangum's career came as he made the heave to the end zone. And Mitch Matthews just goes out and out uh, rebounds. Everybody else for that uh, pass catches it and falls into the end zone. Now, I did not see that play play out live. And you're probably wondering, well, you're you're there, Jake. How did you not see it? Well, I was sitting in the end zone where Mitch Matthews caught that pass. I was sitting on the opposite. So essentially, if you go from sideline to sideline, I was kind of sitting on the opposite sideline. And the way the Nebraska stands are built, you actually, from where I was sitting, you could not see the end zone unless you were able to kind of lean over and see it. I did not see it, but my buddy who I was at the game with, Colton, uh, he actually saw the play play out because He was standing, uh, he had a different angle on it, and he freaks out. It's like, he caught it, he caught it. I'm like, who caught it? Who caught what? <laughs> Mitch Matthews caught the touchdown pass, and B- he wins. I was like, are you kidding me? Like, it was just absolutely electric. The devastation uh, simultaneously on Nebraska's uh, fans' Uh, faces along with the elation of BYU fans was absolutely just pandemonium it it went from just high to low almost immediately there was a Nebraska fan next to me who I had a great time bantering with back and forth in that game we were having a great time I, I honestly don't remember his name but I just know that we had a great time kind of going back and forth in this game he went from just screaming his guts out and was just silent shook my head and said thank you for coming to Lincoln hope you've had a great time have a great day and off they went they were gone And trust me, uh, walking out of that stadium, there were a lot of long faces for the Cornhusker faithful, but what an incredible, incredible game for BYU. Uh, Taysom also had nine carries for 72 yards and the two touchdowns on the ground. Absolutely critical role that Taysom played in this game to give BYU even the chance they had to win it, but... Yet another devastating injury for him in that one. But, obviously, Mitch Matthews, that touchdown pass will forever live on in BYU football history. It'll be replayed from here to kingdom come. uh, Is one of those plays that's always going to be on a highlight reel for BYU. But they finished the the season. They started the 2015 season in thrilling fashion, 1-0. And then they will return return home for their home opener the following weekend. Well, can the Mangum Magic continue? Well, I'm sure it can. We'll talk about that one on tomorrow's show. All right, that's going to do it for today's edition of the podcast. Podcast cannot thank you guys enough for your continued support of the show. As always, it is April, my friends. We're entering uh, more of the true off season period here, as BYU gets uh, closer to wrapping up spring ball. But that does not mean we slow down on this podcast whatsoever. So thank you for your support as always. Hope you guys are all doing well, and of course, uh, make sure you make our your first listen to this podcast every single day, and make your second listen to our friends over the Locked On College Basketball Podcast. They're doing a great job covering all things college hoops. You want to get ready for tonight's national championship game between San Diego State and UConn check out locked on college basketball on YouTube or wherever you get your podcast until tomorrow my friends this has been the locked on Cougars podcast see ya the NCAA tournament is almost here and listening to locked on college basketball will give you the edge you need to dominate your bracket so don't wait